is BOC 91.3 FM. The following program is not a live show, but a repeat broadcast. Live from Cape Town, this is the Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Cape. The Voice of the Good evening, Khianant, Malweni, and a hearty welcome to the Shahida Kali Show. Wow, wow, wow is what I need to say. It is so wonderful to be back to chat with you. I haven't chatted with you in such a long time, and I missed you. <laughs> and I'm hoping that you're saying I missed you too. Well, anyway, so here we are. I'm Shahida Kali, and we're about to start our program as normal. I'll be on the air until 11 o'clock this evening. Just to say, just in case, you know, we kind of come mid-sentence and then we go into a casita or something, then I need to just forewarn you. I have this terrible cold. Kielsier and Borsier and a Wussenachepruss. And so, yeah, that's pretty much where I'm at. So bear with me, you know, when I don't sound as much as Shahida Kali normally would. But otherwise, in spirit, in heart, in love, in caring, and wanting to be back, here I am. So, of course, as usual, you know, we focus on programs in which we want to create an awareness and create um, heart compassion um, in regard to social issues in our community. And for that reason, we're starting a series focusing on the homeless people in our community. And, you know, much as we don't always realize, the homeless community is a huge community, much larger. I mean, there shouldn't be any homeless people, much, much larger than we can ever anticipate. And, you know, in the studio um, to discuss this and to start the series with us is Mr. Hassan Khan. He is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. I'm so glad that we're starting with the Haven Night Shelter because 
because I think it's a name known to all of us and it's going to be wonderful to speak with Mr. Khan and speak about what the heaven is all about. So Mr. Khan, Assalamu Alaikum and welcome to the program. Wa Alaikum Assalam Wa Rahmatullahi Wa Barakatuh and thank you for the invitation. It's my pleasure really. I I just want to say as I, you know, we started off before we went on air and, and I said to Mr. Khan, my goodness, when I look at the introduction into the program about homelessness, the first thought that comes to my mind is how absolutely grateful I must be to, uh, you know, knowing that I have a home. Um, and so my immediate response to the word homelessness is gratitude, immense gratitude. And I think in this program what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to take the gratitude and change it to compassion, change it to wanting to reach out that we can share what we have, inshallah. So let me just, you know, um, ask Mr. Khan. I, I said to you before we started, the first thought is I'm grateful that I have a home. Um, and just your thoughts on that. Yes, the um, home is essentially what uh, the haven is concerned about. Uh, unfortunately, all too often, people confuse it with a house. A house is just bricks and mortar. A home is a sense of belonging. And is defined essentially by the relationship that we have. Relationships with God, Allah, relationship with uh, our fellow man, people that were related to us by blood and other affiliations. Mm-hmm. So um, your typical, the average homeless person feels unfortunately disconnected from his family. Do you think, and, and, and may I ask, before we come to the haven per se, mm. do, you f- do you have people who are on the streets who will come to the haven who might have a house to go to but still regard themselves as homeless? Yes. Uh, they have a house to go to insofar as they know where their relatives love. They know where their relatives who care for them love. But they don't feel at home within that, uh, that house, as it were. Mm-hmm. And so we need to uh, effect uh, a rapprochement uh, with family. Mm-hmm. Um, and to a large extent, there's, um, it, it's often bred of misunderstanding. Mm-hmm. You, know, um, you typically a person would say, ah, looking for for money. Then you begin to examine who does the person care for. Okay. Now, why is it always your family must care for you? All right. Surely you should be caring for your grandmother. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So if you visit your grandmother, then others see, and then relationships are reciprocal. All right. And um, so one has those kinds of conversations with people. Okay, well, you know, it's very interesting conversations because what you're saying to me is you're kind of, you're helping people to turn their situations around to kind of develop empathy, um, the feelings of others and how to access it. Is yeah. by showing caring to Absolutely. receive caring, is you know comes more naturally if you show the caring. Absolutely, That's yeah. a, it's a beautiful thought, <laughs> and you know we'll speak more about that in a moment. I'd like for you to tell me now that when I saw the haven, um, if you only heard the word or the name the haven, sometimes people in our community will still ask. I've heard that name before. What is it about again? I know it's about people, but what about people? So perhaps for you to really explain to our listeners what and who is the Haven? Well, the Haven organization uh, was established some 36 years ago 
by Father Roger Hickley of the Catholic Church and uh, Sam Gross was a Jewish philanthropist but also a city councillor and since then it has grown I mean, it is, was established in uh, Napier Street in Greenpoint in response again to a person dying on our streets mm-hmm. which unfortunately still happens quite unnecessarily today since then it has grown it's grown now to the extent that we have more than a thousand beds we have 16 sites including an old age home and of course uh, it reflects the demographics of the western cape i'm a muslim and i'm ceo so well, yeah, all of us are in the same in the same boat right. <laughs> yes very interesting that you're mentioning that because just in that one conversation mm. and i i think if we look at the haven you probably we are looking at we are discussing human beings yeah. you mentioned a catholic priest you mentioned a jewish person in that mm. conversation that you've just had mm. and then you end off by saying and i'm the ceo and i'm a muslim mm. and and one just kind of marvel at wow you know it's human beings that we're talking about uh, and particularly human beings in cape town yeah <laughs> and how does that play itself out you know people from so many different denominations reaching out to you hum- to human beings in need how does that play itself out common denominator is nabi ibrahim we're an abrahamic organization if you want to know what the haven's going to do refer to your scriptures muslims will know what to do just follow quran and sunnah Mm-hmm. The Christians would refer to the gospel mm-hmm. And so it, it's actually very easy to define what the Ivan does We believe that uh, all of us and We should do for our brothers That which we would be entitled to If we were in similar circumstances I can't but smile I really can't but smile Because it's such a pleasing um, discussion to have It's a pleasing discussion to even refer to the Abrahamic faiths Because mm-hmm. So often there isn't that feeling of we are a part of the Abrahamic faiths, you know, and sometimes, you know, people can withdraw or remove themselves from that very sense of togetherness in terms of the acknowledgement of the Abrahamic faiths. It's unfortunate. We, um, we diminish ourselves when we cut ourselves off from the prophetic traditions, which includes all the brother prophets of the Rasulullah well, I, I just think it's a lovely conversation that we're having and although we're sidestepping, but I think it's so important because it talks, for me, it talks about if how you're describing it, if that would be the essence of how you deal with people. Who are the people who come to the haven? Well, they of all shades, in age, in age race, sex, uh, nationality. We have, for instance, we have more foreign nationals in the Haven than we have Indian South Africans. There are only one, uh, less than one percent Indian South Africans, but we're in Cape Town. So just over half of the people would be describing themselves as colored. Mm-hmm. Twenty-four and a half percent would describe themselves as white. Right? And then you have 22 percent who would describe themselves as, as Africans are the Africans. Okay. And so we reflect the demographics of our country as such. In terms of the average age um, of a homeless person in the, in the Haven organization, and that's taking the uh, 
ages of one, 4,121. It's 48. So it, it's, it's a statistically significant number. Mm-hmm. We, we monitor these things because if the numbers were to change, as it did in 2010, for instance, mm-hmm. we found more younger people on the streets. And so we needed to, to find out what is happening on our streets. And has it been since 2010 or has that changed No, it changed again, 2011, 2012. Yeah. It again is, uh, is stabilizing at 48. What, what, um, what do you the think? The dynamics is, the is essentially, uh, it, the, you get the World Cup. Yeah, well, I was immediately right? thinking you, you World Cup. You put the World Cup together with right. drug abuse and families pushing, up, uh, pushing out younger people, right? You're under 30 group and it skews the fingers. But it tells you where to go and look. Sure. Right? So you must be an information-led uh, organization given the size of the event. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, also again, just kind of stepping out of the conversation a little bit. So does the Haven work with other organizations to inform them about interventions? Where to, how to do what, which work with which organizations? Because it just seems at the moment... The problem seems larger in a particular area. Do you do that with different oh, no, organizations? Absolutely. Look, we, we are a South African institution. Yes. Right? So we, we behave as citizens would to the um, best interests of our nation and community. Yes. So we share information with mm-hmm. the, the province, uh, the city of Cape Town, um, other NGOs, and uh, the sector as such. we one of the big organizations in the homelessness sector, and we have the Street People's Forum. So the idea is to collect the information and try and make sense of it. Mm-hmm. And even if we end up knowing what we don't know, we can get others to look at it. Sure. I think that's such a lovely way of looking at it, you know, that which we don't know. We need to take commercial news. When we come back, we'd like to just to continue with this discussion. I'm speaking with Mr. Hassan Khan, who is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. And we have started our new series on the homelessness that we find in our cities. Stay with us. Don't go away. And I'm speaking with Mr. Hassan Khan, who is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. We have started a new series focusing on homelessness. So, of course, as Mr. Khan has explained, the Haven Night Shelter is a it's a night shelter that has 16 sites, meaning there are 16 different um, locations where they are, where you have their, let's call it their home or their haven, um, where they will then house people. And so that's what I'd like to ask Mr. Khan about. Um, we spoke about who are these people, and you said, mm. you know, it can be anyone from different colors, creed, mm. religion, age, gender. Yep. It, it, it goes across the board. Um, in terms of needs, um, do people come to the haven for short-term but continuous stay? And would you accommodate that long-term or just a night, a safe night? What, you know, what are the needs that you are finding people are expressing to you? Okay, our mission is to reunite homeless people uh, with their families and their communities. Everything else is part of our method. Mm-hmm. So our method does not include housing. Okay. What it does include is physical shelter. 
All right. And it's an important distinction to make in South Africa. And so please explain that. Well, in, uh, you have a PIE Act, Prevention of Illegal Eviction and Occupation of Land Act, okay. which is unfortunately abused all too often, that, uh, where people stop paying your rent, mm-hmm. and then they say you must get a court order to evict me. Yes. Now, we're saying we're not in that business. Yeah. We are in the reintegration business. Right? So we help people at the social development level to effect uh, reunification with their family, and if necessary, reintegration into the local community. Okay. Right. But now, let's say someone comes to the haven. Now, oh. what what many people might understand is, if I'm if I don't have a place to stay tonight, mm. I can go to the haven and sleep there. Is that not the truth? It's true in most of the cases, and uh, this is the reason. As a person presents uh, at a haven for assistance, and there's a variety of ways of getting into the haven. People refer you, you just walk in, or the police would uh, tell you about it and so forth. Now, we will first screen the person. Is it the appropriate place for the person to be? Firstly, check for breathing, bleeding, and so forth. The person needs medical help, get him to hospital. If a person simply fears for his safety and it's at night, Get him to overnight at the police station because the state has a duty of care. And if you run out of beds, refer them to the to the hospitals where they can stay warm in the reception area. I know the hospitals don't like me telling you that, but the state has a duty of care. Right? We behave like citizens. Again, the person during um, work hours, as we would call office hours, from 6.30 in the morning till about 4.30, come into the haven, we will assess you to find a space for you. Our first option is not a shelter. It's not a haven shelter or a neighboring shelter. Our first option is when was the last time you slept in formal uh, situation and why can't you go there? Mm-hmm. Right? And then we try that. If that's not possible, then we find place within the shelter movement. Okay. Now, mm. can I ask, mm. so one of the, uh, uh, what I would imagine would be a very big um, dilemma is when a person presents and they have a drug addiction or drug misuse and so on mm. and the family does not want the person at home so this person is really on the on the streets thrown out mm. nowhere to go how would one respond to such a person well that person qualified to be within a shelter in the first instance right that's precisely when he needs us remember we love our brothers as we um, we would love for our brothers what we would love for ourselves so that person requires an opportunity the opportunity is not to create the safe space where he continues in negative behavior we are rules-based organization tell you we abrahamic there's gospels (laughs) there's prescriptions okay so and and what you're talking about is going to the haven is not a be-all end-all for all Mm. but it is a an organization, a home beyond a home where mm. you go to and you need to do what is appropriate. Yeah. You need to follow appropriate moral, ethical behavior. That's Absolutely. What, that's what you're so doing. you're basically in a, uh, at a bus station. Yeah. And you wait for your bus to go. Right? Right. So now we start the preparation work. Again, we, the haven's like a crutch. If, you know, the patient doesn't move, the crutch stands still. Mm-hmm. So the haven merely supports. We can't walk another man's journey. 
Yes. Right? We can so hold him accountable be, and support him. Yeah. <laughs> so what would be what would be the support at such a time? What would at, be that next step? So so fine. So the person has been assessed. This person needs um, shelter for the night. They get to sleep there, mm. and so then next morning comes. What would happen? Okay. So that first stage we call a screening. Yeah. That's any even officer, uh-huh. uh, the supervisor, and so forth. Then once a person is now suitably placed. Mm-hmm. We have a social worker who would do an assessment. Mm-hmm. There are two assessments. One is a rapid assessment, yeah. which would, we would take seven days. Mm-hmm. Right? Remember, there's still trust issues and all of that. Just to determine immediate needs. Immediate needs is now whether the person needs uh, extra clothing, all those kind of things, bed is secured and that. The next phase is now to start working on what we call a personal development plan. Okay. What does this particular person need right, in order to be well enough to be able to fend for himself within our community? Okay, so now we start talking work, skills, and those kind of things. And uh, South Africans are not unskilled people. Right? Even people with low education may have a skill that they can um, sustain themselves with, whether it's selling potatoes even. Right? But so we don't teach people to do candle making and all of that. Those are hobbies. They're nice things. And they should, you should do it on weekends. And for us, it's about how quickly can we and efficiently can we get you back into the community. Mm-hmm. Right? So we assess for that. And now we start exploring. Okay. What so does it need to be able to, one, be expected at family functions like janazas, weddings, and all of those kind of things to ease its way or her way back into the into the family, and that is where the the um, reunification comes in. And it's not always possible, but in most cases, um, it does work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, ha- I have so many questions sure. that I'd like to ask you. Believe me, I have yeah. so many questions, yeah. but I want to go to one particular question. Yeah. When you're busy with, so the person, you know, in need and pressurized and it's cold and it's raining and, I, and I'm hungry, so I go to the haven. Yeah. But tomorrow morning when I'm up and I'm warmer and I, you know, then I'm oppositional, then I don't want to follow the rules. And, you know, someone's doing the rapid assessment and I'm thinking you're asking too many questions here. What, how do you handle that type of behavior because when the person is in need it's almost easier to mold or you know um, get them to work with you but the minute the the needs kind of you know become a little bit less there might be the other side of the person coming out do you find that happening absolutely I mean people are comprised of emotions (laughs) so what we offer again uh, part of our Abrahamic heritage we as when a person is deemed to be at the right place right, in terms of physical space, yeah. we offer the person a five-day guest pass, as it were. All right. So the person's a guest. He doesn't have to worry about paying us or anything like that. He is a guest. Remember when we used to go to Hajj, you know, the Arabs only wanted you to pay in the fifth day. So we extended that kind of thing. So the man doesn't have to worry about where he's going to live. Right? And we, do, we, we say a rapid assessment. I mean, we have you heard of a rapid assessment seven days? It is because the well, person thought, is emotional right. and there's trust issues yeah. and uh, yeah. why are you prying into my life and so on. Exactly. I must say, so, <laughs> I had the thought myself thinking yeah. rapid assessment, but seven days, yeah, that's a bit no, long. It is to allow for the person sure. to one, duck out of the first interview. Ben Kyle is to come in again, settle down and so forth. Once we 
past that uh, five-day period. Then we start telling people, look, you now need to commit to the service, which means you're going to have to pay us 10 rand a day. And now, you know, 10 rand a day isn't anywhere near what it costs us. Mm-hmm. And some of our shelters run at 80 rand per person per day. Okay. But anyway, so they pay 10 rand. We want to get away from this begging mentality. Right. But if a person is indigent and he doesn't have a job, if you insist he pays you 10 rand, he's going to fall in back into begging. So what we do, we create work within the haven okay. and pay people. We pay them 10 rand an hour for a maximum of two hours work. Okay. They peel potatoes. That goes into the pot for tonight anyway. Right. But it is meaningful work with real cash passing hands and the person's enabled with real money to buy our service. He becomes a customer. We become service providers. That's absolutely wonderful because in that way it's also working with the person's restoration of their dignity of their self-worth if i'm i'm it's it's moving away from the whole idea of begging yeah and begging goes against the dignity of any person and do people comment about it i mean those people who are there peeling the potatoes or so do they say so what do they say well it it takes a while for a person to get to a point where he or she wants to to trade with you as it were all right because look um for a while um within our communities we've had a situation where you know someone else must provide it's always someone else's fault and so forth the government must give the government gives you money you know whatever right so we need to first strip that away right to say that the the government doesn't give money to care for you right this community pays to give you an opportunity right but even allah wants you to make to art to him it doesn't just come free. Yeah. Go on your knees and pray and God gives. Well, they are even simply you need to exchange labor. So there is a reciprocity that mm-hmm. we're teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and that lesson is learned. And the haven also believes in um, documented processes. Man. And so what does that mean? It basically says that when a person has a complaint, we have a complaint procedure. It says, look, I don't, this is why I am. This is the problem I've had. This is what I've done to fix it. Um, this is what I'd like as an outcome. So we use that process to deal with both complaints and requests for assistance. So a person needs toiletries. You would use that and say, look, I, I need this kind of thing. We can then, within a social worker file, be able to say at a glance the interactions we've had with a particular person. But you, but you also, I would imagine, doing this intentionally in, in reinstilling the habits of working through a difficulty like how did i get there what is it that i need how do i think i'm going to get it how will i ask what would it be that i'm going to ask of whom so teaching them that process of problem solving yeah and again it's the same uh, you see the same recipes Mm -hmm. where am i what is my problem what have i done so Mm -hmm. the first instance what uh, and we find so often people say no no okay i haven't done enough i'll come back right or you know i've done all that could Right? Can you assist me? But it, it breaks it down neatly. Right? It breaks down neatly based in need, action, and a desired result. And uh, I must tell you, it saves a lot of time. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. But besides that, it also documents, it gives you a history. Yeah. It gives you a history. And do you, f- okay, so there are times that would you say where you have people coming and asking for your help, and the person could have 
And I know that you said you do an assessment where you would discover the person has a um, a mental health difficulty mm-hmm. or, I mean, and schizophrenia or so would stand out for me. That yeah. might be a possibility. And, um, and also intellectual difficulty. You know, a person might be really intellectually disabled, mm-hmm. could have gotten lost from their home even. You know, do you find, do you have clients like those? Yeah. Um, a person who, um, we had a, a doctor in, in our shelter, uh, was about 70 years old and was diagnosed as being bipolar. Mm-hmm. He had come to this country wanting to help Africans. He thought we were like really desperate circumstances and so forth. And um, he slipped into depression. Very rich person. Mm-hmm. His money ran out, couldn't afford it, and he ended up in our shelters. Right? And fortunately for him, his family was aware, lived in Australia, was aware of the haven, asked us to look out. And we located him within about three or four hours of the wow. inquiry. Mm-hmm. And his son-in-law flew over and took him back home to Australia. And so that's one instance of... Um, with South Africans, often people um, on the streets at that age, they might present with a mental uh, breakdown. And you know... We took a decision as a nation. I mean, even, even dementia, older yeah. people yes. who, who, who mm. walks and gets lost from home. Mm. We do have an old age home also, but the, uh, the situation is such that yeah. in the past we used to institutionalize. Apartheid South Africa institutionalized yes. people with mental illness. Yeah. We took a decision as a democracy to say no, people with mental illness need to be cared for within our society. Yes. The unintended consequence, however, is the following, that a, a child who is mentally compromised is less likely to get married, more likely to be remaining with uh, parents who are getting older and weaker. And so in the end, the person becomes a problem. Parents are covering up. The brothers and sisters feel so powerless that the only final response is to eject him from the family home. Right? Because they don't know how to deal with it and of course uh, culturally it's not appropriate to call the cops on your brother even though that is um, one of the avenues that the health minister had dictated and just call a policeman if the person presents uh, as a danger to himself and others the police officer is instructed by the act to take the person to the nearest facility and have him assessed and then follow the instructions of the head of that institution but we don't call the, the police. Right? It's not culturally appropriate. And the person ends up on the street. He or she becomes more and more alienated. Right? Precisely because he looks like us, and so we give. Because all of our scripture says you must give to those who ask. That's a direct quote from the Quran. Give to those who ask. We need to re-examine what is he asking. It's like a person in a swimming pool. When he's waving at you, he's not greeting. He's calling for help. And you respond differently. You don't wave back at him. Same with the homeless person. The person is asking for help to rejoin our community. Don't help him to stay where he's at. Or to, in fact, take him from the pavement, put him in the gutter by providing him with food and so on. We're saying, send him to the heaven. Bring him to the heaven. We 
offer assistance to help people reunite with their families. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'd like to speak more about the EU uh, reuniting of families and people and reintegration mm. into into society, but we need to take commercial news and when we come back, we will speak about that. So stay with us. And I'm speaking to Mr. Hassan Khan, who is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. We have started a new series focusing on homelessness. So the, the question is, how do you go about reuniting um, homeless people with their families and even reintegrating people into society? Isn't that a difficult task at times? Well, we play a support role. All the hard work is done by the the client, the Haven client, and of course, uh, family members. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole lot of trust issues that need to be dealt with. Okay. Um, So we start on the on the easy part, which is the the physical part, Mm -hmm. and ensuring that the person um, is well cared for and appears to be well cared for. No person shaves if he normally shaves, or beard is trimmed, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So all the necessities of life uh, we provide. We also provide then access, right? Telephone access, emails, internet, and so forth to reach out to family members. Right. Now the reaching out again, it's not about having a handout. Mm-hmm. The Prophet Islam tells you it's better to be the upper end than the lower end. So give. And so um, we encourage people to, to reach out, particularly to older people, mm-hmm. right? sons to mothers and fathers or grandparents and so forth. I mean, I've had a, a, a conversation. I had to go so far back to ask a person when last did he visit his mother's grave. Of course, in the end, he laughed about it. But he, he in fact, did have a mother who was still alive. But that's what it often takes is to really get to a point where we see each other as equals and see each other as equals at that point the a, a new connection between a helper and the helped okay. begins to emerge <laughs> all right and and who do you say that is because the 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 client is feeling when when you are equaling the playing fields mm. there's a different um, level of feeling respected the client feels respected and and therefore would be more open to take your guidance and your thoughts yeah and the resources look the, it is his life mm. he must love it he is the driver we can help with the fuel and the wheels and all of that but he is the driver unless he or she believes that they are the drivers of their own destiny right there's nothing to really do for them so that would be the first step, isn't it? The step is to ensure that the person understands that this nation has provided institutions like the Haven to be a support, a springboard from which he can propel himself back into the community. Okay. He's going to have to pay the dues. He's going to have to say maf for any offenses he's caused. He's going to have to make good restitution, right? whether it's at emotional, social or material level. Right? in order to regain the trust. I, I just, what mm-hmm. comes to mind for me, and I do work that sometimes <laughs> feel very similar to what you're saying now, that, you know, if you're doing the restitution and the bringing together and the asking Marv, but I'm thinking there are times, and, and I don't know whether you would have experienced where, have you, have you had instances where, you know, it, it's so 
touching what mm. plays out in front of you that you're mm. such so much a part of it mm. that you feel it with the people who oh, are you in certainly front do yeah. but what you're able to do because of experience is to point out to the person it is not a unique position to be in human beings have been around for so long and there are so many of us that we have the same problems to deal with mm-hmm. and you know, Allah doesn't place you in a position where his grace won't sustain you right mm. yeah why is it so important to kind of normalize almost the situation where people need to to, to kind of acknowledge um, it's happened to others so it's not the end of the world why is that important for you in your work it's important so, to get away from this victim mentality. Okay. And the world's against me and, you know, it, uh, everything is not going right for me. And enough, there's enough going right for you. For instance, you know, in a haven you could uh, have a person who is blind living there. And a person in a wheelchair living there. And you strutting around like, you know, and so on. So the idea is to be able to say that Allah has endowed you with all that you need right now. How do you make it work? Mm. And, and every person at every stage, every moment of his life, I believe is at that moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. When I listen mm. to you, then I listen to cognitive behavioral therapy. <laughs> and I just think it's amazing how when we're working in these types of circumstances and with these types of, um, you know, difficulties that we we all work so, so much the same, just a different cap or a different name that we apply to different strategies and therapies. And it's really just the same. I think mm. the empowerment of the person and I, I think, you know, somewhere when I, re- when I read about, you know, what the program is going to be about that I'll be focusing on, it was about, um, you know, the self and restoring the self-worth and restoring the, how you appraise yourself. But also, I think the, the, you know, one of the things that you spoke about is not, it's not as much about asking for help as it is extending help in a reciprocal relationship. So I'm giving and receiving. Yes. I'm not just receiving as a handout. Absolutely. That, uh, that's the essence of, of relationship. And if it is um, of, of a meaningful relationship. Mm-hmm. And if you want to stand there and just wait for it to come, you, you can very well do that. Mm-hmm. Right? But that all that's happening is that you're on your own waiting for others. Yeah. Mm. Whereas if you have a shared experience, you, the, it is so much richer. It's at that point that I would call uh, define it as a relationship. Yeah, mm. that it, it really is. That's when it becomes rewarding. Mm. We need to take commercial news. I think this program has just gone by so quickly. Mm. After the break, we'd like to speak about whether the community could be involved, mm. whether the community um, sometimes is involved, and how can the community be mm. of benefit to the Havens. Happy to be back. I'm Shahida Kali and I'm speaking with Mr. Hassan Khan, who is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. I just, um, Mr. Khan, would like, I'd like to ask you before we get to the community, is the Haven only in the Western Cape? Yes, we've defined ourselves as um, 
restricted ourselves to being the Western Cape, though we do consult with other provinces and, and institutions, and we freely give our information in an editable format. You can virtually just put your letterhead on our even the rules and so forth. Oh, that's <laughs> sweet. That's really great. Um, okay, and so how does one, you know, get that from you how who does one contact if one wanted to have that on an organizational level who does one contact well the easiest thing to do is to just write info at haven.org.za okay mm. and i just want to forewarn people i feel a sneeze coming <laughs> oh my goodness my nose is tickling anyway let's get to the community part yeah. how does the community benefit the haven do they can they oh yes the the community is very 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 generous uh -huh. now as i indicated we're an abrahamic organization and we truly believe and i uh, believe that the haven is blessed and that allah provides he's provided for 36 years no one has ever gone hungry in the haven no lights were ever switched off or water cut or whatever so alhamdulillah we we are very blessed in that we encourage the community to get involved firstly uh, by giving their time we say look if you have two hours a month to spare come and sit on a haven committee we need good governance in this country mm -hmm. and so we have more people involved in governance giving two hours than staff employed in the event we only have 115 staff members wow right okay but in governance we have between five and ten people at every shelter and their job is simply to, to look at one in terms of local conditions are we doing what we're promising the community uh -huh. right? are we getting people back home are their living conditions of the highest possible standards and so forth and so that's the first area that we'd uh, like people to come and help then of course if you do have time you can come and work alongside our staff but if you work alongside our staff you may not serve on even committee Okay. You can't be a referee and a player. All right. <laughs> so yeah, we're very clear, separate. All right. And so you can come and make soup and drive our vehicles and so on, but then you're not on our committees. Okay. And first choice is come and serve on our committees. Next is work alongside the event. The yeah. other is to help us to not have to spend money. All the old things that you have, your shoes and whatever, you send that to the event. We promise, I promise, Hassan Khan promises to give it to a lawful beneficiary. Inshallah. It will be firstly Inshallah. to people within Haven shelters, yes. then persons in other shelters, and then poor people in general. Mm -hmm. Right. So only lawful beneficiaries will get it. Okay. So, hmm. so, all right. So, where, who do we contact if someone wanted to make a con uh, contribution, be a part of the Haven, or so? What would be the number that they would have to call? Oh, two one four two five four seven zero zero. Okay, I've got that number. I'm going to repeat it now. Last question before before we go. How has this affected your heart? Oh, uh, for me, it has brought a stillness to my heart. Right? I, um, I went through a very traumatic experience when my sister passed away. And um, yeah, the Ivan the has uh, allowed me to do something that I think she'd be very pleased with. Alhamdulillah. So, Alhamdulillah. And... Um, Yes, it, it allows me also to, to look at the world in a different way. Because I deal with um, state officials, people like Michelle Gratz in Mossel Bay. State official, dedicated, hardworking, going way beyond the call of duty. And it tells me that this country actually works. 
Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. I want to really wish you well and and to wish you well with the Haven and the great work that you guys are doing at the Haven Night Shelter. And and of course, you know, we we have to continue being open to Allah's guidance and and Allah's blessings. I for me particularly what stood out in this conversation was the constant reference being made to the Abrahamic faiths um, because that in itself holds so many lessons of humanitarian worth that when you you love Allah you must love Allah's creation regardless of you know color creed religion any none of that Allah's creation and beyond what we regard as a human being so you need to respect and regard and love the trees the and everything else that Allah has um, created so really I'm I'm so pleased that we had this conversation it's a lovely program for me to have come back to mm-hmm. and just for me to reiterate the number if you would like to be a part of uh, the Haven Night Shelter the telephone number to contact is 021-425-425 Four seven double zero, zero two one four two five four seven double zero. I've been speaking to uh, Mr. Hassan Khan, who is the CEO of the Haven Night Shelter. Shukran so much for having spent your evening with us here in the studio, mm-hmm. and all the very, very best, Shukran, for being my guest on my first program after <laughs> a long time. I think I haven't been on the air for three months. So Shukran and Assalamu Alaikum. And shukran once again for the invitation. We're Afwan. pleased to be here. Afwan, Afwan, it's really great. So here we're going to be taking a very short break. Then we'll go into the news at 10. And after that, I'll be back. Stay with us.